Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, everybody, welcome to This Podcast is Haunted. Uh, I'm Kate and... Uh- and I'm Jen, and wow, look at us. Right I know. off the bat. Right off the fucking... <laughs> so, I am super motivated today because I have shit to do. <laughs> uh, Jeff? Yeah. You were home. We were together. It was glorious. And now you have yeah. cruelly ripped yourself away from me yet again. I... Well, you know, it's it's one more year. One more year and then One I... more year. One more year till revolution. No, t- one more year to graduation. You will oh. nip it. I, right, I can do this all day. Wow. Again. Wow, 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 wow. This is my one true skill set. <laughs> Broadway. Uh, podcast coming soon. <laughs> why? Seriously. Spoiler alert. Why haven't we done that? Of, well, I think, I think what the big reveal is, is that after a couple of years of this, we'll just reveal that it's been a Broadway podcast this entire time. <laughs> Surprising exactly you zero suckers. people. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you were in for some ghost stories, but surprise. We've been, We've just been like, you in. <laughs> dropping uh, Broadway lyrics. If, like, if this like is the way Bay. we're headed, can, I, when do we get to be friends with Lin-Manuel Miranda? Oh my God! It's po- he listens to podcasts. I know this. No, he doesn't. Does he really? Can we please? He does. Oh my God, Lynn! Please listen to my podcast. But also, if he ever fucking listens to our podcast and I find out, I'm going to die on the spot. So, Lynn Manuel Miranda, yeah. please tell everybody else about listening to our podcast, but don't ever let me find out. Like, just like block me, like hide no, me I from know. that. No, Jeff, No, listen. but, like, you know he has all the good, like, Broadway ghost stories. And he should tell them to somebody who isn't going to die if they speak to him. <laughs> <laughs> like, before I become a Broadway ghost story. <laughs> yeah. But that would be totally great. What I was thinking of was, okay, so I am, for people who might not know, I'm in Pittsburgh for the summer interning. And they're, they are shooting uh, Mindhunters. <laughs> in Pittsburgh, like right actually near where I'm interning. Wait, wait, and wait, wait, wait. With Jonathan Groff? With Jonathan Groff. <gasps> who knows? And is good friends with Lynn. <laughs> and I just keep being like, hi, hi. But I... of course, I have not seen Jonathan Groff at all and won't for the entire duration they're here. Uh, um, I need you to quit your internship and start stalking Jonathan Groff immediately. Yeah, that's your assignment, and you can graduate from the Kate School of Museum and Podcast Funnery. So, <laughs> sounds perfect. I know. Perfect plan. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, oh, he's uh, fun. No, um, if you guys haven't watched Mine Hunters yet, fucking fix your shit. Even Dan liked it. Very good. Dan doesn't mm-hmm. like anything, so. <laughs> If Dan's like, like we we binged it in like a day and a half, and he was like, "Oh, I wish there was more of this," and I was like, "Oh shit, there will be season this, two, right? Coming to a Netflix near you." Everybody watched season Pittsburgh. two like a mad person, just looking for Jen in the background of every scene. Yeah, ever. right. For <sighs> if only, man. Yeah. So Pittsburgh Street, yeah. you okay? It's yeah. It's I. I God, I hate driving in this goddamn city. But other than that, why? <laughs> Um, it's just like it's it wasn't meant to get this this big. I feel like, 
like I think they they found a perfect spot for like industrial town and then things got out of hand because (laughs) (laughs) there's this like convergence of three rivers which is really like convenient for shipping and all that Um, and there's this like little flat plateau where like the main heart of downtown is and then pretty quickly it just like everything becomes mountains and oh I just, so you have the mountains to contend with and a number of rivers yeah and not enough infrastructure to support that but it's it's just like yeah so like you you drive like there's main routes that you can take that are pretty you know easily navigable net whatever um, i think you did it i knew <laughs> that word okay cool <laughs> but then like uh, you'll be using google maps and i'll say like oh you know turn on this street and you're going straight and flat and then you turn and then all of a sudden it's like a 60 degree angle <laughs> up and you're just like going up a mountain suddenly and it's just this like weird combination of like city traffic like frustrating road block like city traffic and then also like mountainous back roads <laughs> Jesus. Or it just like wasn't meant to like there was that's a weird combination. That is a very strange combination. Yeah. Well, so. crime any Dutch just yeah. makes you miss so, Grand Rapids all the more. It it does. I miss a grid system. I miss a good grid. You know who doesn't really have very many traffic problems? Peninsulas. You cannot be in Michigan by accident. We're not like a crossroads place. Oh my god. I've taken so many like random wrong turns and then gone across the river and gone through like the liberty tunnel and had to turn around and come back <laughs> like just... <sighs> so once again yeah, other man, than that michigan's the perfect place uh anyway someday i'll be back you will i have faith all right so do you want to like um talk about spooky shit sure yeah banter section over <laughs> and that was exactly five minutes let's move on <laughs> Yep. (laughs) Can you tell, like, I, guys, as much as I love this podcast, Kate is on a schedule. (laughs) Kate is on a schedule. And also, I'm super looking forward to our hiatus. I'm so tired. (laughs) I don't think we, okay, we should probably (laughs) announce that now. So we're going to, we're going to take a hiatus after this episode. Hey, guys, by the way. (laughs) But I, you know, I feel like they should have expected that. We did it last summer, too. We're taking July and August off. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that we can recharge our spooky cells and also so that I can sleep and swim a lot. I go to like the gym now Mm. and it's a real fucking time suck. Well, and also like I had to turn off all my fans to record this. And so I am just by the end of this episode, I will be in fact a puddle of sweat. (laughs) Exactly. We're going to, yeah, we're going to take a little break, but no fear. We will be back in September just in time for a spooky season. Yeah. Keep an eye out, guys. We're not leaving you. And we'll also be online. So it's not like we're disappearing. We'll be there. Just join the, join the podcast group on Facebook. This podcast is Haunted Discussion Group. We're on there. We're talking to people. We have a Snapchat that I do not understand right now. Uh, so every- we don't have it. Some people organized it. I have right. very little to do with it. But. Well, I'm I've snapped like twice to it, and I think mm-hmm. I conversed with somebody, but I'm not. I'm too old for this. Oh, honey, oh, I know. Honey. I'm 30 now. I can't Snapchat I anymore. It's I'm. That is that is the app that I realized that like I am not part of the youngest generation anymore. No. Like, yeah. When I started using Snapchat, I was like, I don't, I don't get it. 
Right? I don't get it. Like, I'm not good at I this. I need more instant validation than that. Like, you send a Snapchat to someone and you're like, and then like they don't respond and you're like, but did you like it? But. And, <laughs> I, and also like people will send me a Snapchat and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how many other people you sent this to. Am I supposed to respond to this? I don't right. know. And I also know. like, it's like a whole like Snapchat like the I don't I don't know how long it lasts. Some of them go for like long, 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 and some of them are only six seconds. Oh, and honey, I don't know. that one I can teach you. <laughs> you can set the time limit. No, but like it's not me. I'm not the one sending these. These are coming from other people. Oh yeah, and I'm just yeah. like, do I watch the whole thing? Because like I read, the, <laughs> like it's just like one picture, and it says like three words, and like I read it, and now I'm staring at it for another ten seconds. <laughs> And I don't know what to do when I'm too old for this. You know, if you look at the top right corner and if there's like a little circle of like, you know, time limit that has a time limit, but sometimes it doesn't have a time limit. And so you can just like tap when you're done. But like, I'm always done right away. Like I look at it and I read it and I went, and it'll go away. But then am I a jerk? Like, am I a Snapchat jerk? I don't, I don't think they can tell. Oh God, I hope not. Again, guys, I'm really sorry. I'm going to try. That's what I'm going to do with my summer break. I'm going to fucking master Snapchat. I do like the filters. They make me look pretty, even though, surprise, I'm a swamp monster. And so I appreciate the filters. And, my, you know, it's they make my dog bark when, like, I open my mouth and the rainbows fall out. Gambit was sitting over my shoulder. And he watched that. And he was like, no, fuck that. What the fuck? No. Wizardry. Why, mom? Why? So, guys, I promise. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to get there. <laughs> I'm so old. Okay. Speaking of things that are old. Okay. Let's talk about the now past. The, now the banter is over. <laughs> yeah. I've... I just really love how you almost like just skated right on past that hiatus thing. Like, yeah, once we're gone. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> once we've been gone. No, okay. Stop. I'm going to stop. I have to stop saying everything. All right. We're doing the thing now. Everybody, the story I'm about to tell it uh, has a trigger warning for suicide as well as sexual assault. So if this isn't for you, go ahead and fast forward. So uh, I'm going to name a name for you. Are you familiar with the name David Curtis Stevenson or D.C. Stevenson? No. Uh, the <laughs> uh, I was I almost thought of that when um, CCM artist Curtis Chapman or something. That <laughs> was... Anyway, I didn't listen to it, but there's there was, oh yeah, there's yeah. like a David Curtis Chapman out there, or is like it Michael David, W. Or is it... Yeah, it, I don't know. Just he one of those is named after a fucking named... white supremacist too. That's... Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! So oh, no. so my guy David Curtis Stevenson, not the guy okay. who wrote "I Hope They Serve Breakfast in Hell" because I think that's that guy, right? Like, no, 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 no. That's that's Newsboys. They're much more fun. This the other one that I'm thinking of was a lot more sincere in his uh. Uh, praise music oh sure can i just for a real quick second uh gently uh-huh. call you out on trying what? to use a subtle little like uh um mm-hmm. what? instead of like saying oh yeah i used to listen to gospel rock you were like oh yeah it's a uh, ccm music or something i don't like no like we... no but like legit like fair fair <laughs> fair point but like <laughs> legit i did not listen to this artist because it was he was a little too sincere for me like i was much more of a like switchfoot newsboys like audio adrenaline reliant k kind of girl like yeah, yeah it's like punk but it's like christian <laughs> you're adorable 
Anyway, <laughs> you're so, so cute. Park that was much more my scene. You personally killed it. <laughs> and like, I know we've talked about this before. I listened to Newsboys. I listened to Reliant K. But that was like in sixth grade. Okay, this this lasted slightly longer than sixth grade for me, but not a whole like it died in high school, I think. Um, but yes, which foot was my jam? Someone posted. Uh, that album recently on Facebook, they're like, "Oh my God, remember this?" It's like, "Yes, yes, I do. I know every song from that album." Anyway, speaking of just like problematic use of the Bible, let's bring it back to <laughs> yeah. Let's bring it back to DC Stevenson. Problematic use of the Bible, as supported by DC Stevenson. Uh, for those of you who have heard of him, you will know him as an ardent white supremacist and a grand dragon of the kkk who's what grand dragon just like yeah, yeah. is that above the grand wizard or... I, have, I don't think so i think the wizard is there's like one wizard and like 30 dragons but honestly it's so it's funny so to me stupid. that stupid <laughs> but like aren't wouldn't the kkk also be like anti dungeons and dragons i feel like and it's I, just so funny to me that that's like the kind of terminology that they that they use yeah it's so i don't know it's it's like if if they were spoofing themselves on mystery science theater 3000 exactly that's the sort of bullshit they would come up with but they like mean it in earnest like there's not a touch of irony to this grand Mm -hmm. dragon grand wizard bullshit i know it's not a shocking revelation that people who are involved in white supremacist groups are fucking stupid but (laughs) this is aggressively stupid just yeah I don't, I, in case you guys didn't know, I don't support white supremacy. And Weird. Uh, if you do, I think you're stupid too. So Yeah, don't um, listen to our podcast anymore. Right, yeah. You don't get to laugh at our charming banter and dick jokes. Ugh. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck. <laughs> anyway. Okay. All right. <laughs> we're here to talk about this one guy. I swear to God, we were going to be so professional today. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about this asshole for just a second. I was going to like cue it up like oh look at all these good things about him and then surprise he's a dick so pretend i haven't oh. said anything spoiler alert <laughs> so dc stevenson he's a voracious reader he's a self-made oh. man he was his, oh. his formal education ended in eighth grade but he went on and and really uh, educated himself he had a, a natural gift of gab he was a talker uh he had a fiery rhetoric uh he was a grand orator a veteran of the mm. army and the star recruiter of the KKK. I think we should elect him for Congress. Oh, That's... wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should mention what? that. What? Hold on just a second. <laughs> now, for those of you who aren't, maybe you aren't familiar with the KKK and that's okay. The KKK is an American-based hate group that was born in the post-Civil War Reconstruction era. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's kind of had three iterations. The first was post uh, was during the Reconstruction era. 1860s, 1870s, I guess, through the Victorian era. It kind of died out around the turn of the century and then made a little comeback during uh, the 1920s. It tried, but it, you know, they, they worked on it 1920s, 1930s. It had a huge comeback during the civil rights era of the 1960s and the 1970s because, mm-hmm. you know, people fucking suck. And, uh, and now we're kind of seeing a less organized, but the same basic fulfillment of tenets 
in the alt-right today. Uh, when they call themselves the alt-right, they're really just saying they're the KKK, but they're they're too brazen to wear a hood. They, they're yeah. not I mean, afraid it's just that you rebranding. know who they are. Yeah, yeah, it's just rebranding. And if you see one, you should punch them. Well, it's just kind of like a combo platter of the KKK and the Nazis. Like, it's... It's exactly. Like they just got together and they're like, hey, we want the same things. Let's let's team so, up, guys. Let's uh the hoods aren't really working for us. Do you guys like these polo mm-hmm. sweaters? Cool. Let's do this. Let's look like we work at Best Buy. These guys took business casual ideas and are trying to business casual clothes and are trying to kind of make this a casual idea of overt horrific racism. Yeah. Well, they're trying to normalize it. Which exactly. Is- like the best smartest thing that they could have done because there's nothing more like obviously like i like americans know enough to have like weird feelings about people in hoods by now but right. i think they they've realized that by you know looking like normal you know quote unquote like good people that that that, that way can- they can fly under the radar and they can look a lot more reasonable and it's it's fucking working (laughs) so it is and it's not just working in america it's working around the world Mm -hmm. so anyway so so for those of you who aren't familiar with the clan the clan is about hate uh they hate black people primarily uh Mm -hmm. that was always like their number one target but while they're at it they also hate uh all people of color Mm -hmm. jewish people Catholics, Mm -hmm. immigrants. For a long while, they hated the Irish and the Italians, kind of under that immigrant ban. But now they're kind of okay with the Irish and the Italians because somehow in the last hundred years, Irish and Italian have become white in a way that they weren't before. There's a whole whole book, and I wish I had the name of it memorized, but it's like something about like how white people became, like what the history of like who is considered white. Right. And... Jewish people are now largely (laughs) considered white. Yeah. And that was never part of the deal before. (laughs) Yeah. So So, the whole concept of being white is just like not. Right. It's a a concept. It's a theory. It's not something that's like true. (laughs) If you're proud to be right, you're an idiot. Yeah. Uh, Because that's not a real thing. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, they often use tactics where they uh, recruit people using the idea that the reason your life sucks is because of these other people or the economy Mm -hmm. sucks is because of these other people. They uh, also hated Republicans. I do want to talk about that for just a second. Pre-1960s, Republicans mm, were Democrats mm-hmm. and Democrats were Republicans. So when yeah. you're reading his Party story, of Lincoln, my ass. <laughs> right. Abraham Lincoln would hate you in canon. Yeah. <laughs> it's canon. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> so when when you're looking at historic documents and you're seeing really fucked up things being done by the Democrats, don't point to that and be like, look, Democrats have always been real fucked up. Democrats no. are fucked up, but it's in different ways. <laughs> than Mm -hmm. what you're talking about. So if you're seeing, you know, basic racism, uh, hatred of minorities, the the just demolition of poverty classes, anyway, anything like that that we associate with Republicans today, that was just Democrats back in the 1960s. They switched teams because of black people. Well, they also started switching back um, during the Great Depression when FDR came and introduced all his like New Deal yes. stuff. That was when things started to shift. Right. Technically, FDR um, ran as a Republican, right? No, he was a Democrat. He was a Democrat. Okay. 
Well, anyway, moving on. I don't know if he began as a Republican or something, but by yeah, anyway. There was some switch in there too, yes. It's it's confusing for all of us. So they also hated uh, people who drank. They were kind of a temperance movement. Um, mm-hmm. And that anybody who was a threat or offended the Protestant woman. That was like the highest thing <laughs> to protect. But will they listen to her? No. Well, no. They just have to protect her. You don't listen to a trophy that you put on your shelf, Jen. Come on. Ah, you're right. You're right. Silly me. So he uh, he he became he he used his natural skill set, and he helped grow the clan. He was so proficient based out of his home in Indianapolis, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the state capital of the state of Indiana. Uh, He was Mm -hmm. so good at growing the Klan that uh, in Indiana, one in three white voting age men were registered members of the KKK in early 1920. One in Hmm. three, Jeff. Damn. Yeah. Now, he also went and he earned extra money growing clan membership in 22 other states. It got to be uh, so much that he was an incredibly wealthy man, so much so that he eventually had his own train, his own private train, which is like having mm. a private plane today, I would imagine. So he's, I mean, he's he's right up there with those prosperity gospel pe- preachers oh, who geez. have four or five planes. Oh, God. Yeah, me too. Oh, okay. Um, can I just break in? Just to, because I know, I know people might, take issue with this okay yes. so i looked it up i had to know what this name was in my head um so i was um confusing stephen curtis chapman who is the ccm artist and mark david chapman who shot lennon <laughs> whose whose dad's name was david curtis chapman so i was naming that's hilarious okay john lennon's assassins Father. It was ringing a bell with me too because we recently covered uh, John Lennon's death. So, okay. Anyway, I can I can, I can die now. If you you, you should guys should all consider not using the name Curtis as a middle name. Just saying, <laughs> or Chapman. Just whatever. or anyway. Chapman. Yeah, just all things to avoid. So <laughs> that's who he was on the pub. In 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 he was he was his great orator. He became a grand dragon of the KKK. He also became a political persona. He helped move more KKK people into position as leaders in the state until the majority of the state congress uh, of the state of Indiana which is different mm-hmm. from federal congress. So there's there's state level representatives and there's also federal level. We are only talking about state level. Uh, so the majority of state-level Congress people in the 1920s in Indiana were actually active Klan members. That does not surprise me. Yeah. Okay, Indiana, but Jesus. Yeah. Indiana's first Klan governor was also moved into office with their help. Uh, his name was Ed Jackson, and he was pretty open about the fact that he was a member of the KKK. Now, aren't they like currently um, working on electing someone who's? <laughs> Like clan friendly. You'll have to be more specific. There's so many alt right losers out there right there now. There was there was a politician, I think in Indiana, who was like openly a neo Nazi or something or alt right and like he was doing pretty well actually. They had was that in Illinois. Like, I don't know. Oh, about maybe Indiana. it's Illinois. 
I know that Illinois, the Republican Party, to their credit, which is not often a sentence I say, uh, the mm-hmm. Republican Party in his area was actually calling up all of their voters and being like, don't vote for the Republican. He's a fucking Nazi. Mm, OK, um, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think that might be who you're thinking of. Um, but again, in this 2018, the year of just every oh. vile worm crawling up <laughs> from the center of the earth, like the guy who's pro uh, uh, child uh, rape in Virginia. So, you know, everything's a shit show, Jen. <laughs> Yeah. Remember the good days when, when like, people weren't openly pro-pedophile? Yeah. Those were good times. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Gone too uh, soon. <laughs> All right. We're talking about D.C. Stevenson. Yes. So, uh, he was not the follower of temperance that he professed to be. Uh, he was what? actually, uh, hmm, shocker, he was a fucking hypocrite, like so many. So, he was, uh, he was actually a serial cheater, and mm. he had violent fantasies. Um, he often attended masochist orgies and fantasized about rape. Uh, okay. Until, surprise, he started raping people. Mm. When his accusers would pop up, he would either bribe them, cajole them, or threaten them until they stepped down. He was rich, he was powerful, he was talented, and he thought he was untouchable. His goal, long-term goal, was to become president of the United States. Which could feasibly happen in this, the year of our Lord. Which likely happened already. (laughs) You know. Mm. All right, so that's... (laughs) There's our fucking villain. Let's leave him in the goddamn dirt. Did someone murder him, please? Okay, (sighs) keep going. Keep going. Jen, just you fucking wait. Okay, okay. All right, let's talk about our hero. Our heroine, actually. (gasps) Is it a lady? It's a lady, and we love her. Her name is Madge Olberholster, which is a great name. Um, She could have been any of our friends, Jen. She is gentle. She's a teacher. She was kind of daring in her own way. In the early days of automobiles, she and a friend actually drove a car to California from Indianapolis. There were no roads or service stations along the way, and they just fucking made it work. Oh, my God. Yeah, so she was was cool. She was pleasant. She was charming. She actually worked for the state of Indiana as a uh, literacy advocate and teacher, and she taught people no matter what age... No matter mm-hmm. what race, she truly believed that everybody had value. Oh um, my God, I love her. I know. The one thing that I maybe don't love about her, apparently mm-hmm. her voice was very similar to that of Betty Boop. And okay. <laughs> well, but like, let's not, we're not here to to voice shame people. <laughs> right. Or tone police. <laughs> as, as we so hate that. Yeah, I just... Uh, I had to remember what Betty Boop sound like, so I YouTubed it real quick, and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I think that was just like, you know, that was like the cool way to talk, though. So maybe Yes, just... it was probably trendy for the time. Like vocal fry or whatever is trendy now. Or yeah. maybe that's like, just the I way just do it talk. on purpose now just to like fuck with people. <laughs> <laughs> that's so uh, awesome. And fucking deal with it. <laughs> Oh my god! Like eight people just unsubscribed. (laughs) That is, it's a pretty good impression of vocal fry. Some people do it accidentally or just as like the way that they speak. Oh, I do it. I do it accidentally all the time, and I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not sorry. Fuck anybody. 
Uh, we're always whatever. You're right. I mean, I'm actually probably going to cut all this out later because we should. No, don't be... do it. We need... It's important to talk about. You have to recognize your own shortcomings That's and true. work to overcome and, them. You know, I I am absolutely criticizing the way a woman is speaking. Um, although mm-hmm. you horrible person. I know. God damn it. I'm a failed progressive. <laughs> Leave it in. <sighs> All right. So she was also very poor. Despite being 29 years old, she was living with her parents so that they could save money and that she could save money. Girl. Uh, Girl, same. Relatable ass. <laughs> oh, I'm going to use this next time someone bullshits about millennials living with their parents. I'm like, um, excuse me. Madge Oberhoster did it until she was 29 and yeah, she saved Indiana. She saved Indiana and us all. <sighs> um, she also had an uh, uh, even even higher stress level because uh, she was worried her job was about to be cut. The state was going through massive budget cuts, and she was about to lose her job as a literacy teacher and advocate. Oh, it's almost like people have never valued education. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, again, it's 29, it's March of 1925, and she has just met at a party Mm -hmm. at the athletic club for the, uh, having a Stephen Curtis Chapman? (laughs) David Curtis Chapman. You can't fuck that up anymore. (laughs) So he, he sees her, and she's beautiful, she's got this alluring haircut, she's a very modern woman, and he starts asking her out. And she says, Mm. No. She had no oh. idea who he was. She'd never heard of him Oh my god, before. she turned him down just like she just knew in her gut. I love her. I uh, love right? her. Right? She was like, mm, no. And so what did he do? <gasps> what did he do? He did the persist game where he mm. wore her down like a nice guy, m'lady. Nice guy, TM, 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 TM. <laughs> uh, so he persisted, persisted, persisted until she was finally like, oh, okay, I'll go out with you. Oh, so, no, no. They went out to dinner. They had a nice Uh time. She decided, okay, he's a bit obnoxious, but I'll go out to dinner with him again. And then she murdered him, right? (laughs) No. Damn. So on the second date, he tells her that, by the way, I'm the grand dragon of the KKK. And (laughs) she ends the date immediately. That's a hard pill to swallow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, consider, imagine, like, again, she's so much like our girlfriends. Imagine if mm-hmm. one of our friends was out and some guy was like, by the way, I'm an ardent racist. And like, she just, of course, she stuffed all the breadsticks in her purse and she left the fucking table. <laughs> God, I what would like. What else do you do? Mm, what? I would, I feel like I would not have, like, I would, in that situation, I would, I would panic and leave. But then I would just be so mad at myself, like, for not making, like, a grand scene of, like, you suck. But, like. Oh my God! What do you do in that situation? What is enough? Well, and you like, have to remember, I... it's 1925, oh. and the grand scenes that we can get away with today because of the work That's of true. our foremothers was not mm. possible in 1925. I just remember, there's um, like a clip of some old movie that gets constantly gift or gift at with this like man who like has his hand on this woman's and knee, she pours the coffee and on she his just hand. like takes the coffee and nonchalantly pours it all over it if anybody knows what movie that is i would certainly like to know because i love awesome. that i love it so much anyway well that's, anyway that's that's that's, that's her thing. madge is like fuck this she stalks <laughs> out she's never gonna speak to him again but he knows how to manipulate her god damn he has her over a barrel because what? he's yep he, are you familiar are you unfamiliar with that phrase 
No, yeah, I'm, I don't know. You've never heard that? Okay. So when you have someone over a barrel, it's uh-huh. their, you can do whatever you want to them. So it's it's like the highest form of manipulation. So okay. it, he, he knows how to manipulate her because he knows what her weakness is. Mm. And her weakness is that she and her family are very poor. And so he says to her, if you go out with me again, I'll not only mm-hmm. save your job, I'm good friends with the no. governor. I'll save your no. job, but I'll also save the entire literacy program. They were going to cut the entire thing. And she was like, you know what? I can take one for the team and uh, let everybody. Children. Right. So that the children and the adults. She was teaching a lot of adults who uh, previously had been slaves, teaching them oh to read. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know. A lot of women in history have done this, by the way. A lot mm-hmm. of women have been in these positions where they're being manipulated into a relationship with a man in order for the, to, to serve the greater good. I'm just so mad right now. <laughs> yes. As well you should be. Okay. <laughs> this still goes on today. Yeah. Um, so he says, go out with me. Continue to have a relationship with me. Possibly be willing to put a little bit more on the table. And it's and, true love in his mind, I'm sure. Right. I think so. I think he, yeah. I think he did think this was a way to show affection. I I, th- I don't know what his deal well, is. And also there's like, you know, no ethical problems with like having a super power imbalance in a relationship. What Like, you know, nothing bad ever happened to that with that situation, right? And in like, 1925, that was the case because every relationship fine. in that era, for the most part, where men are the primary well, breadwinners, yeah. hold all the political power. Yes, she mm-hmm. could vote, but uh, everything was but a But like just five balance. years ago. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so she dumps him on the spot. He cons her back into a relationship with her. And he says, all right, well, we're going to go out. I'm going to send a guy to collect you. So they they actually only lived a couple blocks apart. So this Hmm. guy shows up. He's basically a big mafia thug. And he walks her over at 10 o'clock at night to Stevenson's house. Mm -hmm. And they pressure her into drinking. She's afraid what will happen if she doesn't drink this whiskey. Um, mm-hmm. They have drugged the whiskey. So after three small glasses, she's out of control, out of her mind. No. They kidnap her, throw her into Mm-mm. a car, no. drive that out to where he has his private train, and put her on board for Chicago along with Stevenson. Oh, my God. So they put her on board. And he rapes her and attacks her. She's too drugged to resist. And while he's attacking her, he is viciously attacking her. It's not just a sexual assault. He's biting her. He's biting her limbs and the back of her neck. He chewed her tongue until it almost fell off. Uh, All of her limbs were affected uh, to the point where she looked like she had been in a car wreck. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. She comes to later and she says groggily to him, the law is going to deal with you. And he says, honey, I am the law in Indiana. He thought he was bulletproof. So she's in incredible pain. It's the next day. They are in Hammond, which isn't very far away. Uh, And he kept a gun on her constantly. They load her off the train and they go to a local hotel where with a gun to her, make her tell the concierge that they are a married couple so that they can have a hotel room, take her upstairs, and he rapes her again. 
And then he falls asleep. Now, Mm -hmm. she convinces him to let her go out with his bodyguards so that she can, she's she's kind of playing it up. Oh, I I love you so much. Let me, we're we're to be married and I'm going to go buy a wedding hat and some Mm -hmm. new rouge. And so she convinces him, you know, oh, you're just going to sleep, baby. Go ahead and I'll go out. I also, I just want to get a little, some aspirin or something for the pain. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she goes out. Mm -hmm. She buys a black satin hat. She buys Mm -hmm. some new rouge. And she Mm -hmm. buys a small uh, bottle Uh of mercuric chloride. Uh Uh-huh. Which, for those of you who are playing the at-home game, super fucking uh-huh. fatal to humans. You should not take a whole lot Doesn't of it. Doesn't sound like a very tasty treat. <laughs> um, now, while he had been passed out, she, she had already uh, flirted with thoughts of suicide. She had put her his gun, his revolver that he had been pointing at her, she mm-hmm. put it to her head and thought about pulling the trigger, but she didn't want her parents to see her like that. Oh. And so she decided to go out and get the poison instead. Mm-hmm. Now, she took, she was able to get six pills down, which is pretty impressive. It was enough to poison her, but it was a oh, long no. and slow no, no. poisoning. No, 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 no. No, so use she, it on him. Yeah. No. No, she doesn't. No. Remember, remember how much power he has. If she kills him, she's going away for life. I know, but like, it'd be a little worth it. Yeah, it would. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I support poisoning the clan members, so. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry. Really quick tangent, and then we can come back. But, like, (laughs) I saw a news story of this girl who's, like, I don't know, young, 21 or something, who was, like, who who was driving under the influence, which I don't recommend. You know, that's not safe. I know exactly which story. But, but, she, (laughs) she, like crashed her car into uh and killed a clans member <laughs> which is just like well all right good job <laughs> i don't know if we can quite say good job to her because she had been like no it was very dangerous and it's very lucky that like that's who she killed but someone um the person i saw who posted this on twitter was like <laughs> it was like a picture of her in the news story and <laughs> they just captioned it chaotic neutral <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> anyway, yeah, some things, anyway. Uh, you know, the the. And so you're just like, well, that's not a good thing to do, but like, I'm not mad. <laughs> Turned out okay. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, she takes these pills. She spends the next 24 hours vomiting blood. Now, uh, you oh. remember she had been living with her parents the night before when he made her sign into the hotel. He also mm-hmm. made her with a gun against her. Remember. Uh, send mm-hmm. a telegram to her parents that she was running away to Chicago with Stevenson mm. and that they were to be married. Mm-mm. So so her parents are not expecting her at this point in time. They think she's done something daring. Uh, she, <sighs> Madge, spends the next 24 hours vomiting blood. Oh and God. Stevenson is terrified. He is so scared that he won't take her to a hospital and he doesn't know what to do. He makes her sign a declaration that they're they're going to get married. And mm-hmm. that way she can't testify against him. And they drive her home to their parents and literally dump her on the front steps. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, because he probably thinks he did this to her. Right. Right. Exactly. Which he kind of did. Oh, we're going to come back to that. Okay. 
So when they dump her at her parents, they they say that she has been in a car wreck. Again, that's how fucked up this girl's looking. She's bloodied all over. She is in terrible shape and Mm -hmm. vomiting blood. Now, she only took six of the pills. She has doomed herself to death, but she has time. They... The, the assault happens March 15th. Mm-hmm. Madge is returned to her parents St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. Okay. She does not pass away until March 28th. Ooh, that's rough. Okay. it's a rough way to go. In But she used her time well. Uh-huh. In that oh time... They <laughs> I'm get, on the edge of my seat here. <laughs> she gets her family doctor in. Well, her parents. Her parents are her advocates at this point in time. She's really not able to do a whole lot she Mm -hmm. is able to tell her story though so she gets her family doctor in and they get an attorney asa smith in as well Mm -hmm. and the family doctor records all of her injuries uh including the uh area her her personal areas her pro no fuck it why am i dancing around it I just like I'm trying to be good to Madge, but no, she, I know. But the whole thing is that Madge spared no detail. She mm-hmm. she wasn't delicate about it. She was like, "Yep, he put his penis in my vagina and he fucked me against my consent uh, multiple times." And so so that's what happened. She sang, and she told everybody. She signed the confession. She made sure that they had names and dates and places. And she Mm. did this on her deathbed, knowing that she was going to die. Her doctor had already made it clear that her kidneys were shutting down and there was nothing he could do. Yeah. Oh, my God. An interesting side effect. Do you remember I said he bit her many, many times? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. This guy was such a fucking disgusting scuzzball. And when I say disgusting, I don't mean metaphorically he was physically dirty he was so physically dirty <sighs> that the bite wounds became infected with staphylococcus oh she had what is that <laughs> staph sounds infections. bad it's very oh. bad staph infections are incredibly uh easy to transmit they right, can get in okay. the bloodstream and affect all of your organs and that's what happens um mm. so he bit her the bite, the the germs from his disgusting fucking mouth were so infected that it also served to kill her. So he, even though... Wait, yes, so she would have died anyway? She would have died anyway. Exactly. And oh that's important God. to the case. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But I want you to think for a second. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Go. Go on. <laughs> the, I'm just it, getting excited. <laughs> it got into her bloodstream, the staphylococcus, uh, mm-hmm. staph infection. Mm-hmm. And it got into her lungs. It basically gave her a staph infection of the lungs. It killed her Oof. along with the mercuric chloride that she took. So it wasn't ruled a suicide. Yes. Okay. He goes away for second degree murder because he inadvertently killed her with this right. staph with his infection. nasty, nasty mouth. <laughs> Jen, have you ever heard of an animal that has a bite that fills you with bacteria and kills you slowly? No. A Komodo dragon. Oh my god. And what's this guy's rank in the KKK? He's a grand dragon. He's a fucking dragon. And so he's like a literal fucking disgusting ass monster mm-hmm. who who bites and attacks women. Uh, and so, yeah. So here's the thing. She, by telling her story, by being brave, by not trying to hide it or... Uh, they threatened her family. They they tried to do all the things. They were like, if you tell, here's what's going to happen. She didn't give mm-hmm. a fucking shit, and she told anyway. Um, and so well, yeah, she's dying. <laughs> yeah, she. But her family, it. I guess. Right. Yeah. He goes to jail 
Um, the uh, the court case during the course lit up newspapers around the country, um, and it was so shocking that people were fainting in the courtroom. They had to leave when they were talking about these stories. Her family doctor went on to on the on the record to say her injuries looked as though she had been chewed by a cannibal. Ooh, there is more to this though. It's not just that she put away Stevenson who mm-hmm. he he went he got life in prison for second degree murder, rape and kidnapping charges along with his two little thug friends who helped. Yes. When he went up for appeal, they dismissed it out of hand. Yes. The claim some good in the world. Well, uh-huh. Okay. No. Hang on. Mm. <laughs> yep. Okay. Here's here's the good news. Okay. Because she was a white Protestant woman who was attacked. Oh no. And oh, alcohol no. was yeah. involved. Because that's why they care. Right, exactly. Shit. They wouldn't have cared if it were somebody else. But because oh. mm-hmm. uh, it was such an embarrassment of their values, uh, the whole clans, uh, whole clan lodges would quit in mass. Membership dropped by tens of thousands. And uh, over the next two years had dropped by 178,000 individuals overall, making the clan in Indiana about dead. Now, were there still fucking racists in Indiana? Yes, but they were not organized anymore. Mm. Um, and so Stevenson, while he was in prison, uh, he turned, um, what's the phrase? Sang like a canary. <laughs> he, oh, uh, mm-hmm. he was a fucking snitch and he told <laughs> everybody who the clan had bribed. He sold them all out, which is kind of a good thing that he did. Um, the bad news is that he did it for reduced time. Mm. So even though they dealt effectively a fatal blow to the organization of the KKK, he was eventually paroled after 25 years in 1950. Okay. He, he got out. He violated that parole. He was mm-hmm. sent back in for 10 more years, of which he served six. This Is this a familiar oh, okay. tale, right? Isn't this so fucking familiar? When he got out oh. again, he sexually assaulted yet another person. Uh-huh. But charges were dropped after a while, and he died mm-hmm. in his bed in 1966 of a heart Fuck attack. That guy. Oh, and he's buried with honors at a veteran cemetery. In a mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Where? Someone go piss on him. <laughs> I I respect that, Moxie, and I'll look up find a grave for you later. So there is one more <laughs> comparison I do want to point out here. Are you familiar with the tale of Lucretia? Um, what, which, what? Mm-hmm. Lucretia, she is um, kind of responsible for the rise of the Roman Empire, the Roman Republic, oh. anyway. Okay. So there... I was just thinking of the Adventure Zone. I'm sorry, I've been listening to a oh, lot of that podcast. Oh, I, I don't listen to that one, but okay, it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but some people will get it. So uh, the story of <laughs> Lucretia from these, these ancient times is... Um, There was a king of Rome, uh, the last king of Rome. His name was uh, King Tarquin Superbus. Oh, this explains why I don't know it. It's ancient history. I don't really, I'm not a classics person. That's okay. This is how Rome became a republic. So some people Hmm. know it, some people don't. Uh, So so Tarquin Superbus' son was a fucking rapist. And Mm. he raped Lucretia. And mm-hmm. in the middle of the square, oh, she shit. names him as her rapist, and then she kills herself. And the Damn. people of Rome are so outraged that they overthrow Tarkin Superbus 
and his son, mm-hmm. and they established the Republic of Rome. God damn. I know. So so our Madge is kind of a more modern day Lucretia. And so she accomplished a great deal of good through her death. Possibly not enough good because the alt-right lives on today. Uh, but also, like, you can't put all that responsibility on her. And right. Also, it's very, it's sad that she had to die. <laughs> it is. It's very sad. Now, <sighs> what is this show called? This podcast is liberal? Yes. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> There's our third show. Just us being, like, indignant Fuck about that guy. <laughs> that would be amazing. No. This show is called This Podcast is Haunted. And so I have some ghosts for you. Okay, good. All right, so the first one, of course, is that fucking cunt, D.C. Stevenson. Um, mm. He, his former house in Indianapolis. He should be so lucky to be a cunt. That's that's what I say. I would call anyway. him a, I don't remember who, it might have been Bette Midler, uh, who said, I'd call you a cunt, but you lack the depth and warmth. <laughs> I, that's like the greatest thing I've ever heard. Uh, Sally Fields said something like that recently about the whole Samantha B thing. Yes, like, yes. Um, she it was something along the lines of like, like um, cunts are life. She's giving. not a cunt. She's like, cunts are warm and nurturing. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you're right. Anyway, oh, um, so this bless. this fucking bastard. We'll we'll leave yes. the female terminology out of it. Uh, mm. His he haunts his Indianapolis house. He was a great smoker of cigars because of fucking course he was. And hey, so, cigar, well, I don't know. I'm ambivalent towards cigars. I guess. <laughs> I I associate them with douchebags. Yeah, I, pipes I, are pipes are good. I like pipes. Okay, hipster douchebags. They just I like the smell of pipe tobacco. It smells oh. good. I I will say both cigars and pipes do smell good. I just mm-hmm. the act of like. Cigars you, are more of a douchey thing to do, though. Like, yeah, but like, in the, s- pipes if, are so if, hipster. <laughs> but if pipes are hi- hipstery, then cigars are douchey. Like, that's the yeah. yeah. I'm just. I'm not gonna. I guess. I guess being Listen, a hipster I'm is a better than being a fucking hipster. So like, I, I'm just gonna are. step up and own it. So that's, like, whatever. Does David smoke a pipe? No, okay. my dad did though. Did he? Okay, so like in old yeah. men, that's cute. I like that in old yeah. people. Also, um, Jerry Ford smoked a pipe, and there's a there's a cabinet in the museum that has all his old pipes and pipe tobacco, and it's the best smelling cabinet in the whole storage. Except room. for one of his pipes, which we have at our museum. He gave it as a gift <gasps> when we opened our museum. That's cute. He had Isn't a million it? of them. Yeah. So, yeah <laughs> anyway, so you smell pipe tobacco. Uh, you might see rings of cigar smoke. Cigar tobacco? Um, cigar tobacco. I mean, it's the same fucking tobacco. It's just a different thing. Well, but true. yeah, this guy smokes cigars. Uh, and you, they also hear phantoms of women crying and screaming in the house. Ugh. Fuck yeah. That. Now, our Like girl- him, he can rest. He can he can be un- unrestful for all I care. But I feel bad that there's also apparently women who are in that house that are not resting easily. Yeah. Or at least the echo of women. Uh, hopefully oh, it's yeah. just like a moment in time that's replacing itself and not a soul attached to that. Yeah. Oof. Honestly, fuck that guy. Ugh. Okay. Now, here's a slightly happier ghost. Uh, mm-hmm. This is at the Olberholster home. And uh, it's specifically a an apparition that shows itself to people of color because she was such an advocate for teaching and she was very proud of her uh, students who are people of color. It is mm-hmm. apparently common during 
heat thunderstorm or heat heat lightning you know summer storms where it's not raining but you see lightning in the sky i love those yeah Yeah. Uh, i guess they're not a universal thing i also recently learned that fireflies are not universal yeah that's weird to me i mean i just grew up with them yeah they're everywhere um Mm -hmm. i will i'm going to take video for our group because my backyard which is as you know a jungle uh Mm -hmm. we get a glorious number of fireflies oh that's wonderful But so during these, uh, this heat lightning of the summer, people of color... Which for, okay, but like, I just like, I need to, there's, it's so cool because you're standing outside and it's completely, like, it feels like, like it's about to storm, but it's not raining. And you can just look up and silently you can see just like lightning flashing, like constantly across the It's kind of beautiful, clouds. right? And it's like the coolest thing. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Anyway. Um, So (laughs) when that flashes across the sky, if you look in the bedroom window that used to be hers, which is near the front of the house to the left, um, Mm -hmm. you will see a white lady standing there. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as it flashes again, she's gone. (gasps) Isn't that cool? So so specific, but like cool. Yeah. It's a nice haunting, I think, uh, especially that she's largely appearing to people who, you know, she effectively died to help you know mm-hmm. she she was able to decrease the wealth and power of the clan through her actions before her death and that's pretty fucking cool yeah. so our modern day uh, lucretia ah uh, what a great person Man. i know i love her and i'd never heard of her before which pisses me the fuck off mm-hmm. all right jeff let's move on you i know you have okay. a lot to cover for i do yours. have a lot yeah, so what? So hmm? buckle in, let's do this. Okay. Yeah. I, I was the one that came with the, the topic this week because David and I, when we were hanging out, we, we one of our favorite shows to watch is Versailles, which if you haven't heard of it, it's it's a French show, but it's I mean it's it, the language is in English, but it's produced by the same production company that, that made the staircase actually. So it's this oh. French production company. Yeah. I didn't know that the staircase was French. We've been watching the staircase here. I keep trying yeah. to like it. It's it's honestly not my favorite docu series, but I I have a lot of opinions about it. So get at me in in the discussion group because I will. I need to get to the bottom of this. So anyway, uh, but we can't <laughs> talk about that here. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's this French production company, and it's it's about. The show is about basically Louis the Fourteenth and his decision to make Versailles into what it is uh-huh. or what it was, and it is so fascinating because when I feel like when most people think of Versailles, they think of Marie Antoinette and Louis the Sixteenth, right? And they just think of like peak Versailles, but this show takes place in the 1660s, so it's definitely before like pre-rococo era like this is baroque this is different different aesthetics like it just looks different and it's but it's him and like the rococo era came from him essentially right so it's it's him figuring it out and it's very good louis is played by the actor george blagden who is a very underrated actor i think and he's in He's also in the show Vikings um, in the first couple of seasons. So I don't know if you would, I don't think you've seen it, but like other people might know him from there. He's so good. Oh, it's so good. 
he just like plays this like king with so much assurance but like also doubt and he's just like figuring things out and he's like ah he's so good anyway (laughs) i will have to start watching this one yeah Anyway, I think he's he's a great actor. Um, so this the second season of the show covers a topic that I had never heard of. I mean, I'd, I think a lot of people think they know about Louis XIV. They're like, oh yeah, he was a sun king. He built Versailles. But like, I don't think a lot of people know actually a whole lot about his reign and like what actually happened in his court. Um, I certainly didn't. So this story that I'm going to tell you basically kind of ruins or spoils season two, but it's also history, so deal with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you really don't want to be spoiled, go watch it and then come back to this. Right. So um, it's called, it's a real historical event that occurred over, you know, a few years, and it's called The Affair of the Poisons or L'Affaire des Poitons. Fun. So uh, I'm pretty, if you don't know about Versailles and Louis the the 14th. I'm just going to tell you very briefly. Basically, the French monarchy was based in Paris for a long time. The main palace was actually where uh, the Louvre is. It's that museum is the old palace and that's oh. where it was for so long and it was just in the center that. of Paris. You didn't know this? No. I don't I'll, I'll be honest, I know very little about France. Okay. I was always more of an English yeah, me too. Yeah, so this, so let me let me tell you. Um, so the that was where the whole French court was, and back um, Louis the Fourteenth actually ascended to the throne at like the age of five. Wow! In sixteen forty three, so he was a boy king, and he had very powerful advisors. I think that was Cardinal Richelieu. If anyone remembers that name, um, he just. I mean, this From is the very Three Musketeers. Yeah, yeah. I think this is yeah. This is Three Musketeers time. If you if you say Cardinal Richelieu to me, all I can think about is the Disney version of the Three Musketeers that has like Kiefer Sutherland and, and oh, okay. Chris O'Dowd. Have you ever watched that, Jeff? No. To be honest, I'm not like I don't know a ton about the Three Musketeers, and oh. I think yeah. So it's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> it's super enjoyable, actually, and and I think it's the closest version to the actual novel but it's pretty fucking great and the next time you come home i'm gonna make you watch it okay well i'm pretty sure i think now that you're saying this i think that takes place while louis the 14th is still like a boy king and i think that's one of the reasons why they are the the musketeers and they're fighting for the crown because he is this kind of little defenseless boy and that plays a big part into in like how he was a monarch later in life. So he was living in in the Louvre in in the center of Paris and he was a he was a child. He when I don't know if this was I can't remember if this was before he took the throne or like after, but there was this huge kind of uprising of the aristocrats, the nobility who wanted to kind of like seize power because they saw, you know, this like powerless child who is the king and they saw that as an opportunity to take control and to kind of run things um yeah and so there was this huge kind of like rebellion and it touched him personally where like there was like chaos in the streets of paris and like people were threatening violence against him and so he has this like very clear memory of hiding in the palace with his mother as you know they're 
there's chaos outside and he just like that really made a huge impact on him right um, for, for the rest of his life so he his whole life hated paris he he never wanted to be there because he is constantly associated it with this period of rebellion so versailles as a palace what didn't wasn't always a palace it was built by louis the 13th yes Mm -hmm. so his father i don't know there's some there's some like generation gaps sometimes in the louis so it's i can't remember if it's his father or grandfather um but it's the previous Louis because right. it's the 13th. Um, <laughs> right. Um, anyway, so he, Louis the 13th, had built a hunting lodge um, in the in the kind of like remote-ish hamlet or village of Versailles. And it's now I think it's, I've been there, I, I, I did go there once and it's about like a half hour train ride outside the city of Paris. Uh-huh. So this, I mean, with carriages that would have been probably like a day's ride. So it's it's the country is the point. So it's this kind of like little chateau. I mean, it's still like a pretty sizable building because it's built by the king as his hunting lodge, right. but it wasn't ever meant to be like this huge palace is the point. Which is what it turns into very much. Yeah, so uh, Louis the Fourteenth visits a few times, and he so he certainly knew of its existence and used it sometimes. But it wasn't until 1661, shortly after he married Maria Theresa of Spain, and he was there. And he just the way the show depicts it, he had this like grand vision of like he had a dream where where he saw the palace as it could have been, mm-hmm. and he just decides from then on that it's his goal to like make this palace into what he saw in his vision i mean obviously that's the show's version so i don't know if that's really how that happened but he just gets this idea in his head to turn what was just like kind of an old you know decrepit hunting lodge into this the grandest palace in the world essentially right yeah so he just like has all of these ideas about how to expand it and it goes through a couple different iterations and through that and also with the help of his brother philippe the duc d'orleans who is also just a super fascinating character and also played by a marvelous actor in the show ah it's so good (laughs) so but like okay so basically the duke he is this kind of like openly gay guy who's like just has this the best fashion and the best like that he was, was literally the like, next thing i was gonna ask like isn't the duke of orleans like famously homosexual <laughs> oh famously flamboyantly gay and like but like had like the best sense of style and he like everyone loved him because he just like and and like the <laughs> louis his his brother was kind of like okay with it because that meant that he basically didn't have to worry about him as a rival. Right. <laughs> like, he was just like, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. He he did have children. He had a couple wives. Um, but, like, he also had a very famous long-time lover. So, yeah. It's, Fascinating. it's kind of where uh, the French got this sort of effeminate reputation. Exactly. Well, because that, that's where... That's where it came from. So as Louis is building Versailles and he he has like two goals with this. He wants to A, get away from Paris and B, he wants to control, he wants to reign in the aristocracy and bring them under his control mm-hmm. because he 
feared the you know rebellion that had happened earlier in his life and they were still like like pretty openly antagonistic towards him like they just didn't yeah. trust him they didn't like him they were just constantly vying for power and just going against what he would say and like had their own private armies Do and it was just like <laughs> yeah but like two centuries before that right yeah still the, the french are fans of revolution yeah the french they don't really do anything slowly they're just like nope this is what we're doing this is what we're doing now and we're yes. doing it by any means necessary they're like you know what fuck that bastille we're going in <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no they're yeah. but that you know that it's it's uh they're inspiring in that way but also yeah a little short-sighted sometimes <laughs> yeah sometimes it's like can you just like sit down and work it out maybe i don't know <laughs> So, so yeah, Louis' other goal with Versailles is to reign in the aristocracy. And so he very shrewdly got the help of his brother, who was this, like, huge style icon, and everyone loved him. And so they teamed up to really, like, just bring the smack down, but, like, subtly. And, like, with it was court just, intrigue. Exactly. It was, it was, like, masterful the way they did it, because... He had Philippe devise this set of rules and etiquette for being in the French court. And and then they also, um, they required the entire, you know, French aristocrat, you know, like they, they made all of the nobles come spend at least a bit of like every, a bit of time every year in Versailles. And they're like, oh, you know, we're building this huge palace for you. We'll have your own apartments. Everyone, you know, you can, you can be close to the king. Um, so that he can keep an eye on them is what the goal was. Um, right. But, in you know, the, he wanted to kind of entice them by making this huge opulent palace. Um, and then with this set of rules and etiquette, he made them basically, he basically tricked them psychologically into wanting to compete against each other for the king's favor. <laughs> it was, it was this is what I love about it. It was just all about like who is allowed to hold the king's napkin, who is allowed to put on the king's shirt, who is like, and they all like he, they just made this thing about how the king was on display and whoever could get closest to him had the most favor. Yeah, and it's that, just it's genius. <laughs> it it actually was such a good plan that they started using it in the. Uh, English courts as well. Um, there was still like a rank system for mm -hmm. who could hold the queen's chemise and and foolish things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, um, but the, the, there is like an important difference between the French and the English courts, where like the English monarchy was still very like kind of private, and it was whoever was allowed access to them. Right. Was they were in the inner circle, and the French court was kind of like that, except for it was technically a public court. Like anyone could show up. And if you looked the part, you could get in and you right. could watch the king eat. And so it was like, as long as you, as you were following the rules and as long as you were wearing the right clothes, you could get in. And so there, like that created this sense of like competition among the, the nobles where they just had to, you know, spend all of their money to get the right clothing and to like act a certain way. And right. it was, oh man, <laughs> it's just like... I mean, I don't want that for us, but, like, that is genius. We can appreciate that it worked in the past, but we don't admire it in our own democracies. Yeah. Even though our democracy is now a flawed democracy. 
Mm. Did you yeah. see that we got downgraded from a full democracy to a flawed democracy? Which honestly probably should have happened sooner, but like... Yep. <laughs> this is... Trump is not a new oligarch. We've had a few. Yeah. <sighs> He's just anyway. the most brazen about it. Yeah. Anyway. So... <laughs> So that's kind of the atmosphere um, that I'm talking about. It's this very, like, everyone is in very close quarters in this palace. Everyone is kind of, like, looking at each other, just eyeing, you know, how, you know, who's who's in with the king and who's, who's on top. And everyone is competing against each other. And... I mean, it sounds great. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's fantastic. So kind of under the surface of this is this kind of, underworld of um people doing whatever they can to get power and money and affection um there there's the king's official mistress there's you know people people trying to arrange it so that they can inherit sooner rather than later um so this kind of breeds some level of court intrigue as you might imagine right um <laughs> so there's a couple major events that that like really expose what's been going on under the surface for years um so in seven in no i keep wanting to say 17 because i'm dealing a lot with valley forge at the moment my internship sure. but <laughs> in 1675 uh madame de brinvi no brinviers i'm sorry i thought madame- i was better at this Madame de Brinvilliers. Brinvilliers was accused of conspiring with her lover to poison her father and two of her brothers in order to inherit their estates. Ooh, because French women, could you know, uh, French women were allowed to hold property at that point in time. That was a huge deal here in Michigan because we were New France. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So she is, she fled. She was caught, arrested, and confessed under torture and was sentenced to death for witchcraft and poisoning. Witchcraft? Because <laughs> women. I mean, they're progressive, but not that progressive. <laughs> fucking poisoning. All right, she fucking poisoned people, but witchcraft? Come on. Well, it kind of depends Be better I think, than on that, France. the method that she used to poison them, because I'll get into this. <laughs> Did she call there. on Satan to poison them? Because I feel like they oh, I'll would get not into have died. that. Okay, I will get into that. <laughs> Just um, you wait. Yeah. So, <laughs> but luckily, she was beheaded before her remains were burnt at the stake. <laughs> luckily, so, luckily. I mean, I'd rather that way than the other way around. So that happened in 1675. In 1677, Magdalene de la Grange was arrested on charge of forgery and murder. And she appeals to the Marquis de Louvois, claiming to have information about other crimes of high importance. Louvois went directly to the king, who enlisted the help of the chief of Parisian police, Gabriel Nicolas de la Reine. And he, this is, oh, there's another badass character in the show that is not, does not go by that name, but I think he's supposed to be this the equivalent of this person and his name in the show is monsieur Marshall, and it's just like oh <laughs> david's obsessed with him 
Also, I have to say that everyone in the show has the most magnificent long curly wigs because that was the style for like that was the time, the time. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like magnificently like flowing curly locks, and it's wonderful. It's also very difficult to tell anyone apart because they all have the same hairstyle. Seriously, <laughs> basically, it's just like okay, which curly haired man is this? But then you then you get to understand. So anyway, so this guy is enlisted to investigate these claims of conspiracy, and he eventually uncovered this whole underworld network of fortune tellers, alchemists, and renegade priests who were known to offer love spells, magic charms, and poisons known as inheritance powders. Uh, inheritance <laughs> powers, get powders. It. I love get it. it. Yeah, which were manufactured from arsenic and desiccated toads? Toads. Sure. Mm-hmm. Hence That's witchcraft. Fun. Yes. Yes. So the clients uh, from these this network of, you know, <laughs> sorcerers and witches and <laughs> alchemists, the, the clients uh, ranged across the social hierarchy and they... Some, some of them wanted just good luck charms um, that would bring them wealth from gambling. Some wanted political advancement. Others wanted romance. Um, love charms were also very common. And, and spells to vanquish their rivals. This oh is, they're not fucking around with this. Um, and then others, others would br- buy shirts that were laced with a type of arsenic. Oh sure. So they would, yeah. So they would when put on sweat. a shirt, and it would just like leach into their skin. Yep. Or enema solutions containing mercuric chloride. Hey. Hey. We've come full circle on this we the poisoning have. episode. Yes. Yes. So many of the accused ran out in the king's innermost circle, and there was even an Wait, anonymous. Wait, hang on. T- Can I? I'm sorry. I just have to interrupt mm-hmm. you for a hot second. Go ahead. Uh, if you have, if okay. So these people would buy these poisons to give to others, right? Yes. How do you make somebody have an enema? I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm, I just I just copied what it said. I don't know. Okay. I just, that's going to be Listen. bothering me for a while. So they were just like, oh, try this. It'll cleanse you out. All that cheese you've been eating. This will be great. It'll I cut mean, right through it. No, I think there, yeah, I think to a certain degree, yeah. Like there was, there was a lot of like, I mean, and we're talking about like everyone doing snuff and party drugs too. So like people were doing all kinds of drugs at this time. So, so maybe they were like, it also would be put this easy in your to, ass, it'll get you high. Well, yeah. Like huh. this, they kind of invented the like, well, put it in your ass, it'll invented, feel good. But like, but like <laughs> this, right? I know. But like. But, like, honestly, think about, like, how open, like, the Duc de Orléans was about his sexuality. Like, there was just, like, a very... And think about, like, what yeah. we know about how Anne Boleyn learned everything that she knew about love. And, like... Right. Well, the French and, court was known for its debauchery and sex. And, like, and hedonism. Yeah. This, yeah. Uh, this eventually starts to play out in the Stuart household as well. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Charles II, right? He was the Mary Who monarch. grew up in the court of France. Like, yeah. this, is, this, this is the time period. I think he was probably hanging around at this time. Um, 1660s? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about that time. He would have been um, young, I think, but... Oh, yeah, but this is where he grew up. Yeah, he would have inherited so, this culture. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
And and he was he was the hedonist man. God bless him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just this whole co- culture of partying and drugs, and and so it was very easy to lace it with poison, <laughs> and just be like, here here's a party drug, and then oops, it doesn't go well, and I oops, think it, now you're dead. Yeah, and I think people kind of like knew a little bit of what was going on like this is this is the thing that really caught my attention with the with the show was that this whole season there's like people dropping left and right of poison and i was i was just like did this really happen you'd think like people would kind of like wonder what was up like i at first i just thought it was like the writers kind of out of trying ideas to ramp up the intrigue and i was like this seems like a pretty like you you did this one already like <laughs> i was <laughs> That's what I, I was so like surprised that they kept using this device of poison. And so I looked it up and I was like, oh shit, this actually happened. So they just had like a serial poisoning ring. But it wasn't like one person is the thing too. It was just like everyone. It was a culture of poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was poisoning everyone. Huh. Um <laughs> Yeah, apparently there was even an anonymous tip warning of a conspiracy to poison the king. So things got real serious. Now I'm going to take a step back. Well, I'm going to say that one of the accused, and one of the most famous people accused, was none other than the king's official mistress, the Marquise de Montespan. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a minute to talk about her a second. So she, her, okay, I'm going to take... I'm going to try to say her whole name. Francoise Athenaise de Rochecourt de Montespan. Anyway, she married the Marquis de Montespan. So she's the Marquise de Montespan. See, guys, we're not good at anything other than English. No, and I even took French. So, like, you'd think I'd be good at this, but I'm not. It's cool. I flunked Italian twice. You should hear me read an Olive Garden menu. Anyway, I will refer to her as Montespan from now on. So she entered uh, the the French court at the age of 20, uh, shortly after she got married. And she was um, named the maid of honor to the king's sister-in-law, uh, Princess Henrietta Anne of England. Um, so she is the daughter of Charles I, so the younger sister of Charles II. Yeah. So there you go. There we go. There he is. There's a connection. So she, yeah, so she was married to the Duc de Orléans. Um, married, having, quote unquote. Well, yeah, I mean, they're married. I think they did have kids. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he he does his duty. That's, he did his duty. Although, you know, he also maybe tapped in somebody else to do his duty, like uh, we see in, in other instances like this. Yeah, but to also. To reference Game of Thrones, he pulled a Remy. <laughs> right? Wasn't that guy that guy's name? The younger brother um, of the Baratheons? Renly. 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 Yeah. That guy. Aww. Yeah. I don't R. know P. if they, like, fully tapped it. I think I think he, like, tried. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that's fiction. I'm just thinking aloud. But also, maybe, like, his sexuality wasn't as... Maybe it was a little more fluid than... Yeah, he doesn't necessarily have to be a Kinsey Six. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that, yeah, those children are legit. And yeah, it, it might have either been just like strictly duty or maybe he just, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. 
if ultimately. if they were true hedonists, they were chasing pleasure, and uh, yeah. that's fairly easy to find. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so so Montespan is the the maid of honor to Princess Henrietta, and who Henrietta coincidentally dies somewhat un- untimely death, and it's. It was suspected by many that she was poisoned, but I know, but I don't, uh, I think later people have kind of come to the conclusion that it was a natural death. Like it was untimely, but it was natural causes. Anyway, so Montespan then goes into service for the, she's a lady in waiting to the queen, uh, Maria Teresa of Spain. So she was kind of like openly resentful of, like the queen and the the current official mistress because this is how you know royalty rolls there's an official mistress this is right. just like and and the position in france is called the maîtresse en titre so it's the the yeah the official mistress and he wow. might have multiple but like there's one official one that's hilarious yeah so that's like a very coveted position um and it comes with a lot of bennies and it's just understood that like yeah he was married for political reasons but like he's the king so he can do whatever the fuck he wants well you know if you're not if it's not a love match honestly you know that i take a real hard line on uh outside of marriage activity i don't i'm not into cheating <laughs> but right so long as everybody involved knows what's going on and is like okay with it then do what you need to do. Yeah, I mean, it's... On the one hand, it's kind of like, I can't judge because they just... Marriage was just a different right. thing for kings. Right. But where I do judge is that it's a one-way street. Like, yes. he's allowed to do whatever he wants, but she's not. So, like, poor Maria Teresa and also basically every queen right. <laughs> is just, like, supposed to just sit there and be completely chaste and just not do anything. And and she's kind of like characterized in the show as this like very kind of like Catherine of Aragon type woman who's like very uh, devout and she knows what's going on, but she also knows her place and she gets frustrated at, you know, all these mistresses, but she's just like basically knows she can't do anything about it. Right. Um, and she just kind of like sits there and is mad, but puts up with it. Yeah. What else are you going to do? No, mm-hmm. I agree with you on the uh, the 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 gender disparity, but I if you're gonna have an affair, at least nobody was lying about it. Exactly. Yeah, that's. I mean, I th- and also like Philippe was very open about his affairs too. Like, no one was lying. That's right. the thing. Well, I mean, <laughs> there were some some the poisoners were lying. Yeah, but everybody else was kind of living their truth. Right. Well, and there was also some intrigue and how people got these positions so yeah where we pick up with Montespan was she was just like she just like openly was kind of vying for the position of official mistress which (laughs) then makes the next thing like very confusing because apparently there was one point where the both the queen and the official mistress were uh pregnant (laughs) at the same time (laughs) which is fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um so they're both pregnant and so they're kind of like off the market at the moment <laughs> because as we all know you can't possibly have sex while you're pregnant 
Jen, please but, don't make me throw up. I know. It's fine. Not, um, no, not for having sex with pregnant people, just pregnancy in general, if you don't know that about me. So <laughs> anyway, I will stop. Uh, so they ask her, Montespan, to kind of like entertain the king while they're both pregnant, which was like, a, hey, sweetie, we're out of commission. Can you take a dick for the team? Yeah. And she's like, sure. Um, <laughs> and so you know, as she does this, she's like, this is my chance. And so she kind of like finagles a way to become the new official mistress and kicks the other lady out. I have names for all these people, but I'm clearly not good at pronouncing them, so I'm just not going to say it. Nah. It's fine. Just well, look it up. You don't things. know who they are anyway. So so she ends up having seven children with the king. Oh. Yeah, three of which survived and were later legitimized. Wow. So, yeah, like this is, she's cranking them out as well and just has her position settled actually um if you go to the the met in in new york city they have their um they have like period rooms set up and they have one where they have her bed hangings and there's like tapestries depicting her and louis as like uh like a god and goddess i think he's like apollo or something then it has like their children also like in the tapestry so it's so if you want to see that you know, and you're in the area, go check it out. It's pretty that cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah. But it's not very easy keeping track of a position like official mistress, especially when you're having seven children. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, she was known as this, like, the most beautiful woman in court. She was super witty. She could hold political conversations with men, like, which is unusual for women at the time. Like, she just, like made it her business to appeal to powerful men and she was very good at it so i kind of got to respect but she you know it's it's hard when you're pregnant all the time and after a while his eye began to stray to another beauty and she was kind of like put out of commission and she obviously resented that and so this this new woman was the duchess of fontagne Fontagnes? Fontagnes? It sounds like the Duchess of Fun Times. The Duchess of Fun Times. That's her name. I want that (laughs) on my tombstone. I want to be the Duchess of Fun Times. (laughs) Yeah. So before the Duchess of Fun Times could become the official mistress, she died very suddenly in 1681. Oh, did she? Did she ever. Um, And again, I think people... At the time, thought it was poison, but I think now believe that it's natural causes. But like, I don't know. But also, maybe this girl poisoned. So there's a lot of circumstance. A lot of circumstance here. Would you, Jeff, if you were Mm. in that position, in order to keep banging the king, would you be willing to kill other people? I I don't know that I would want to be the official mistress. I feel like that's just like not my scene. I think that's. Like Anne Boleyn, I think that's like a star that shines brightly and then is quickly put out. I feel like my my MO is definitely less like stick my head out and more like... Honey, you're, it's not your head you're sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was at the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think I, I don't think I would want to shoot that high. 
is what I'm saying. Right. Sorry. I'm just I, making I dirty would, jokes over here. Yep. No, I know. Oh, interesting. All right. Sorry. I'll stop interrupting. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So there was um, a lot of interesting circumstance and she was implicated in this, this poisoning affair, but she was never officially arrested. But the woman who was at the heart of the whole thing, uh, assuming that they got it right, was a fortune teller known as La Voisin, whose real name was Catherine Montvoisin. Um, hmm. She was kind of this like scrappy uh, woman who was kind of born of nothing, but like created this whole, like she, she basically took power and like took her, her talents in fortune telling and made something of her life. So I kind of, I don't know, I kind of like her. Um, she was the head of a network of fortune tellers in Paris um, that provided poison, aphrodisiacs, abortions, and purported magical services and arranged black masses. <laughs> Wow. For clients. So this is where we're going to get back into the whole uh, Satanism aspect of it. Her purported organization of commissioned black magic and and poison was suspected to have killed anywhere between 1,000 to 2,500 people. But I have no idea where they got that number or if it's anywhere close to accurate. But that's a goddamn lot of people. (laughs) That is. That is quite a few. when, Mm -hmm. When they're associating it with black magic... Are they incorporating, do you think, the poison, or are we talking about human sacrifice? Um, a little bit of both. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about that. All right. So she was taught the art of fortune telling at the age of nine, and but started making a profit off it years later after um, she got married and her husband became kind of financially ruined. She started picking up the slack of the breadwinning and she really like ran with it and was very successful. She kind of specialized in creating this like atmosphere and ambiance of wealth and luxury and mystique. She had like this special robe of crimson red velvet embroidered with eagles and gold and like she just used this to get you know very high paying clientele. She kind of expanded her fortune telling empire and she began providing other services uh there's like her wikipedia page is is fascinating there's like sections on you know her life abortion provider fortune telling professional sorcery and poison commission (laughs) like it's it's fun read that's a lot (laughs) yeah yeah she also had a legitimate career as a midwife but also provided illegal abortions on the side which is part of an which is part of a legitimate career as a midwife. Well, I mean, I I just say like right in the letter of the illegal law. at the time. Yeah. Like she was like she operated officially as a midwife, but then if people required you know other services, she would provide those as well. Right. So she made enough money to have her own residence in Paris, where she would receive clients all day, and then. Um, at night, she would entertain the the Parisian upper class, um, and she supported a family of six, including her husband, her mother, and her children. Good for her. Yeah, I know. Um, Bitches get shit done. Exactly. Uh, she was also known to have at least six different lovers, including uh, nobility, an executioner, an architect, and an alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> 
So all right, she is <laughs> round, round, get around. She gets around. That's, yeah, that's kind of like a she's um, very democratic in her choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's equal opportunity. She also had a long-standing rivalry with another poisoner by the name of Marie Boss. So she was just like, I'm just. Mm. Did you see the show Harlots? Yes, I love that show. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I, I imagine it's something like that, where it's like these two like women who are like the queens of their underworld, and they're just like rivals. <laughs> rivals, but also frenemies. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I would watch that show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So where she really got into trouble, though, was her practice of black magic and selling poisons. So she kind of began at, you know, in the shallows by, by you know, she was fortune telling, which is not, I don't think, has ever been very frowned upon. It's kind of like, you know, very strict, you know, religious people will frown upon it. But other than that, it's just kind of like, ah, well, you know. Right. Um, There's a lot of, actually, at that point in time, there was a lot of fortune telling that was endorsed by the Catholic Church. Exactly. Because, so what she would do, would she would, she would, for, you know, tell people's fortunes and they would have requests and they would want charms and she would say oh if it's god's will then it will work or if you pray to this certain saint and go to this church and say certain prayers then maybe this charm will work so mm-hmm. it was a very kind of like religious kind of magic um which I think goes very hand in hand with the Catholic Church, yes, to be it honest. Does. <laughs> it's like not officially sanctioned by the church, but it's very much the way they kind of operated at that time anyway. Right. So I don't think it would have been a very large leap for anyone to believe that it would work. <laughs> Hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, you know, a lot of people still believe that. <laughs> but anyway, she kind of like began selling other amulets and magical objects and charms. She started selling love powders, which were again made of the bones of toads, the teeth of moles, Hmm. Spanish fly iron fillings, human blood, and the dust of human remains. Gross. Yeah. So this is where she kind of stops fucking around and (laughs) starts getting into the harder stuff. She then graduated to conducting black masses, which she would pray to Satan for her client's wishes to come true. She would, she enlisted the help of at least one priest and it's, it's called an abbe. Um, so I'm imagining like, like an abbot or yeah, yeah, like a monk, um, who would help by officiating these black masses. So, wow. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're I think safe to say pretty corrupt uh, priests. <laughs> not like, not your not what a typical priest would agree to do. No. Um. Yeah. So, some of these masses would be said over a woman who was perform like performing as the altar. Okay. And they would place and she. This is very like eyes wide shut. Like yeah, you know, naked women women in the middle of a circle of chanting people. Um, and. They would place a bowl on like her stomach and a a baby was held above the bowl and the blood from it was poured into the bowl. (laughs) So they're slitting the baby's throat. Well, uh, it says whether the baby was killed on the occasion or 
whether it was already dead by natural causes or like stillbirth sure. is unclear. Right. Regardless, not great. Pretty horrific. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is this is what kind of what she's up to and up and what she's about. Um, and she was had a number of clients again in the inner circle of the king and so she had this very high class clientele one of which was Montespan so in 1667 it's alleged we don't know for sure that Montespan arranged for La Voisin to perform a black mass in her efforts to win the affections of the king now this is before she was so like this is they're saying that this is how she became his official mit- mistress <laughs> because in that same year that's how right. like that's what happened so after she would hire uh la voisin whenever there was a problem with the king um or whenever she feared that you know his affections were waning now by 1673 his interest was beginning to wane so she hired uh, La Voisin to perform a series of black masses, at least one of which Montespan is alleged to have served as the human altar herself. She, uh, La Voisin also provided Montespan ugh, all these names back and forth. I can't just say she because they're both she. Right. Uh, you could say the witch and the mistress. Eh, it's fine. Okay. Um, so she provided Montespan with an aphrodisiac uh, with which to drug the king. And so she would kind of like in a series of, you know, actions, just kind of drop these potions into his drink or sprinkle them on his food, that kind of a thing. But that didn't wasn't like super successful because by 1679 the king entered into a relationship with Fontagne, you know, that right. lady from before. It eventually wears off. Fun times. Um so Montespan allegedly called for La Voisin and asked her to have both the king and his new mistress killed. Oh. Yeah. She kind of went nuclear. Go big or go home. I know, right? Apparently, La Voisin hesitated but agreed. They plotted with other conspirators and settled on a plan to poison a petition that would be delivered into the king's own hands. However, when the day came to deliver it, there was too many other petitioners so she abandoned the, the plan and burned the poisoned petition. They just, like, abandoned the plot. Hmm. Yeah. Now, this is all happening kind of when the investigation into the poisonings is occurring. So they're kind of playing with fire here. Again, as I said a while ago, um, I think they kicked off the investigation in, like, 77. So mm-hmm. this, it went on for a few years. Okay, so this is happening while the investigation's going on. Eventually, the investigation led to La Voisin, and she was arrested on March 12th, uh, 1679. That's a pretty good long run. She was, yeah, you know. Uh, he, uh, the, Louis issued an order that the whole network of poisoners and, and sorcerers be exterminated. Um, he was just you know pissed and (laughs) so they arrest her and they're questioning her and they had like authority to torture her but i think they also thought that that would be a bad look so but they knew that she was alcoholic so they kept her in a constant state of inebriation um which is ethically (laughs) 
dubious. I mean, um, we're we're talking about people who are you know bleeding out babies, so yeah, a little ethic ethnic eth ethic ethical gray area. Yes, mm-hmm. a little bit of an ethical gray area is okay. Yeah. Yeah, so they kept her drunk, and that worked. She started talking and implicating others, including her daughter, Marguerite. Um, She was put on trial in February of 1680 and was convicted of witchcraft. Uh, Two days later, she was burned at the stake. Wow. Speedy justice. Yeah. So altogether, the affair of the poisons implicated 442 suspects, 367 orders of arrest were issued 218 of which were carried out of the condemned 36 were executed five were sentenced to the galleys which i don't remember offhand what that is 23 were exiled we're unsure how many people died in custody or by torture and then uh, others were sentenced to perpetual imprisonment in like remote castles and that kind of thing and this is this is like yes the whole network of fortune tellers and sorcerers like la voisin so like some of a lot of them would have been like commoners but a lot of them were also the nobles who right who were their their clients so yeah this was like a big fucking deal this is um, a cleaning of the house yeah this is draining the swamp they yeah he really did because i think like Louis was just, like, fucking pissed that he was trying to make this perfect, like, society where he, like, all the nobles would compete for him and his attention, and he was the Sun King, and then he finds out that there's all these plots going on, and they're, and they're not acting like he thinks that they should, and and then he finds out that his own mistress is participating in it, and he just got, like, he was devastated and angry and, like, just wanted it all to go. Yeah. Um, so he just, like, came down hard um, on everyone. But in July of 1680, Marguerite, um, the daughter of La Voisin, revealed the connection to Montespan, which was confirmed by the testimony of numerous other accused. And this is where he kind of paused. So it's going to affect his favorite girl. Yeah. Like, he still had affection for her, I think. Like, he had, by this time, kind of, like, cast her off. But he couldn't quite bring himself to actually arrest her i think because that would kind of imply that that she had power over him because she had given him love potions because like they're still superstitious about like the effect of these powders and stuff like i think modern day we'd be like it's a love potion it's just like a bunch of powdered garbage like it's not gonna have anything but like there's still you know he believes it enough to think that it might actually have some power and so i i think that he just didn't want people to know or to like he didn't want to admit to himself that he might have been like the victim of this so he closed the investigation and sealed the testimonies and montespan was never charged there's a bunch of remaining accused who were dealt with outside the public justice system so he would kind of just like dole out his own punishment and kind of keep it out of the official records that is so interesting i mean fucked up like it's not but i suppose when you're talking about you know ground up mole teeth and and Mm -hmm. desiccated frogs who really cares but still it's very interesting yeah it's a political move to to thwart 
public justice. Well, and he, I mean, he's the king, so he ultimately, I think, believes that he's above it. And yes, so like he once he once it touched his own life personally, I think that's when he was like, oh, shit, I don't want I don't want people to know about like my possible failings and right and vulnerabilities. So I think that's when he shut it down. And so, yeah, she was never officially charged. Um, we don't know for sure if she actually did do anything, but but yeah, I think I think there's a good chance that she was involved. Um, that is fascinating. Yeah, like I had no idea any of this happened, and it was like completely rampant, and so many people died, and it was just like this huge like overhaul and like draining of the swamp. Yeah, like yeah. Oh man. So that's a fun fact that y'all didn't know about France. <laughs> or maybe you did because you're cooler than us. Fuck you. I don't know. But like, yeah, I, like I just, you know, was watching this show and all this like bananas shit went down and I was like, did this really happen? And then it turns out, yeah, it did. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, go watch the show, read up more about it. There's like other alleged things. I mean, just like the sheer number of babies that may or may not have been killed in these acts. And like, there's this like where where they got the babies, where like you know where they were buried, and I I don't there's like not a lot of evidence of all like so I I don't think ultimately there were a lot of like babies killed in the act, but God, if there like were any, that's horrific. Like, right, yuck. So I I looked to see if there were any ghosts of this specific. I was like, man, Montespan has got to be haunting the shit out out of Versailles. But it turns out I couldn't really. I couldn't really find anything on these specific characters. There's a lot about um, Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI haunting Versailles, sure. but um, yeah. Oh so. no, that's that's it. Can it's still a good story. Yeah, I, I mean, my like, ghosts were kind of like a afterthought. <laughs> I know mine were too. I was just like, I well, uh, I don't know. Is this haunted? But it's a good story, guys. <laughs> Um, speaking of good stories, shall we move on to listener story? Yeah, please. All right. So this is from Evelyn or Evie for short. Mm-hmm. Hello, Kate and Jen. Before I say my story, I just wanted to say I love you too, and you're so much fun to listen to, but scary as well. Thanks, Aww. Evie. The nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> right. I love the voice at the beginning of each podcast, kid. That's you. Oh my god, I hate it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I can't listen to it. Insecurities. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> anyway. hard to listen to your own voice, guys. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. When I was around 14 or 15, my sister had a two-story house. It had been constructed by for her by her husband, and every once in a while I'd go over to sleepover. And after a few sleepovers, I hated going because of the super creepy stuff that would happen. Hmm. The creepy things started to get started weak and then got stronger. One day I started having trouble sleeping. I'd sleep with my niece, who's six months older than me, in her room, and I wouldn't fall asleep until 3 or 4 a.m. Everyone else would be asleep by 12. And then hmm. after that, a few times sleeping over and staying up, I started no ooh, Uh-oh. I started what? noticing a tall shadow in the hallway. Oh, God. Oh, God. No. Staring into the room. Oh, no. I, I'd be so scared, I'd close my eyes till I fall asleep. So after another few days, each time this would happen, the shadows would get more and more details till I can finally make out that it was a tall man 
with a long coat and hat, but mm-hmm. everything was still so black I couldn't see his face, just the outline of the coat and hat. Oh. So I thought this was just happening to me, but one time my niece... Um, <gasps> sorry, I have to scroll down. Okay. But one time, me and my niece were in the computer room downstairs, and my nephew, who was really young then, was in the kitchen. Uh, They were making some hot chocolate on the stove at night when he came running in to ask us if there had been an earthquake. We said no, and why? He -hmm. was freaked out because he said the stove started to shake like crazy, and so he (gasps) thought it was an earthquake. Oh, my. Oh, God. Okay. Right? Me and my niece didn't want to scare him, so I quickly said, oh, yeah, that happens when the stove gets hot. And he believed me. (laughs) And then... (laughs) Lying to children to make them feel better about things. That's the whole world of parenting, man. (laughs) A different day, my niece and I... My niece went running into the room again. A different day, my little niece went running to the room again. Me and my other niece were in the room, and their parents weren't home. She told us that her doll... Nope. Oh, no. Oh, no. She told us that her doll moved on its own, and we were freaked out. But we lied, and we said, oh, it was the cat. She moved it. You just didn't see it. But really, the cat was with us the whole time. Oh, no. On a different occasion, my brother was in the room with my nephews, and he was holding a fake plastic worm that was a toy. Uh And it wiggled in his hand like a real worm. He was so freaked out, he threw it. Oh, my God. Another time I was at my house when I got a phone call from my nephews telling me that their parents weren't home and all three of them were downstairs. And they heard violent footsteps running back and forth upstairs. Uh When they went to see what it was, they heard random pounding on the wall coming from towards them very loud all around them. They ran and waited outside till their parents got home. Okay, so now back to me. It continues with me a different day. I slept over, but I was tired of sleeping in the room because of the person I'd see. So Mm -hmm. I decided to sleep in my other niece's room, who was a lot younger than me. On this night, I actually fell asleep around 12. But my niece woke me up to take her to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So I bravely did. And seeing as how I'm scared of the dark and this house, uh, we went, we went back to bed. As I was in bed, I heard all of a sudden a little girl giggling. I wasn't scared. I thought it was my niece. So I smiled at her and turned and asked her, why are you laughing? Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I suddenly realized she wasn't even awake. Mm. She was fast asleep. Right after this realization, her kitchen stove and sink toy, which hadn't worked for weeks, turned on with the noise of boiling water. The sound was right next to me, right after I heard this big pound on the side of my ear, which was on the wall, since the wall was right next to me. Uh I quickly went under my covers and decided, for some reason, to look at the hallway. And when I did, I saw the shadow person. Fuck. Right? Oh, my God. It's not just the one room. It's you. Great. Oh, my God. I realized the shadow was looking into this room and not my other niece's room. They're right next to each other. And then I heard a loud whisper, say my niece's name. Mm. I was so afraid I just stayed under the covers in a tiny ball until I Mm -hmm. fell asleep. Mm -hmm. After this night, I never went back to sleep over. I would go during the day, but I wouldn't sleep there anymore. Yeah, because honestly, you're a problem, not like, right. This is, it's saying your kid's name, not me. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I'd sleep with my mom during holidays since weird stuff never happened to me when she was with me. Aw. Let me just say, in one of your episodes, one of you mentioned tarot cards and how someone told you to stop using them. Yep, that was me. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, <laughs> the lady from The Conjuring. I can't, I'm sorry. Lorraine I'm having, Warren. The, thank you. Lorraine Warren told She didn't even know that I had them, but she said to stop using them. I probably should, but I never did. Oops, my bad. <laughs> I mean, well, you I did quit for a for, while, right? I did. I quit for a very long while, but I like. I mean, they're on well, this table and now with you're, me right now. Yeah, but you're like a lot more casual about them now than you were before. I right? certainly am. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I very rarely use them these days. I was using them daily before. Yeah, now it's more of a party trick. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and I don't go to parties very often. Yeah. Um, so she's uh, black sorry. masses. I don't know what. <laughs> Gross. Those happen at like three in the morning. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I go to bed at nine thirty. <laughs> Here's the thing. We're both such old we're too too much of an old lady to participate in witchcraft. Like you have, yeah. you gotta stay up for that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, can't do it. The witching hour? Mm-hmm. No way. No, no way. No, 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 no. Can we do it at like eight PM? Come on. <laughs> All right, so so something similar happened to me. So somebody told them to stop using them. When all of this was happening to me, I went to a swap meet where my sister and her husband would work on weekends. A -hmm. random lady I didn't know, my family also didn't know, says to my sister, I can see stuff. Tell her to be careful because bad stuff is attracted to her. My sister didn't tell me that, but I overheard her say this, and it happened with all the ghostly stuff that that maybe she was trying to warn me about. Mm. My mom believed me, and she went to the house alone one day to cleanse all the corners of the house. Yep. My mom is really spiritually open. She dreams with with my grandmother, who isn't with us. And a, at a hospital, talked to a ghost woman. There are ghosts at hospitals. We do know this now. Mm-hmm. So basically, I trust anything she tells me. My older sister, however, didn't believe me, and she would get mad that I would say these things. My brother believes it, it that it was her way of coping, not wanting to believe that her house is haunted. My brother believes me as well, and he himself felt like a little girl would watch him when he would go over there. Oh. Yeah, so there's like a lot going on in this house. Yeah, I could see why you would maybe want to not believe it. Because let's be honest, moving is expensive. (laughs) And difficult, especially in this housing market. Fucking deal with the ghost. Jeez, yeah. So my sister no longer lives there, but I often wonder if anything else has happened to the new family that lives there. Mm-hmm. I'd like to find out the history of the house and my house, but I don't know how. Uh, go to county records and then talk to a local librarian. They'll be able to help you with that. Uh, some librarians will have a genealogical research person on their staff. And so isn't they'll be able to help also, you. Isn't there also a website that's like, who died in my house.com? <laughs> there might be, yeah. <laughs> There's like a website where you can like put your address in and it'll like search for like death records of like did anyone die at this address that's kind of interesting yeah i'm not going to ever search that no (laughs) although i'm pretty sure no i mean our house is kind of too new yeah i i think i did search a couple of places i lived and yeah no no, nothing popped up thankfully thank god yeah okay if i wasn't if it wasn't too long of a story i'd like to share another story short story with you about when i was six or seven i had a realistic monkey-like backpack that i loved for some reason because it's an adorable monkey that's why you loved it yeah i was at home with my mom and my brother my other brother and sister had left to go buy pizza they left me at home with my other brother i have three brothers and two sisters my goodness Um, As a kid, I was excited for pizza. My brother went to go sleep in the room. When my family came back, my mom told me to go wake up my brother for pizza. 
oh. happily went into the dark room to wake him up. And when I walked mm-hmm. into the room, the door shut behind me. Mm-hmm. The only light was through the crack of the door. Uh-huh. When I turned around, I felt kind of scared. I didn't know how, I didn't know what was going on, but I saw a glowing pair of eyes moving toward mm-hmm. my face. Nope. <laughs> right? Nope. As it got closer, I realized it was the monkey backpack. What the fuck? <laughs> And that it was moving, and his eyes were not glow in the dark, but they were on this day. Oh I ran God. out. I ran out of the room, and when I did, my brother came out of the other room. It turns out he wasn't in that room at all. Okay. I'm now afraid of monkeys and going into dark rooms. Yep, understand. That makes sense uh-huh. to me. Uh huh. Thank you for listening or reading my experiences. I hope you enjoyed it, and I love your show. I can't wait to hear more episodes. You two are hilarious, and you know how to tell really good stories. I'm addicted oh, to you girl. two. Girl. The first podcast I oh we were the first podcast she ever listened to, which is what oh got God. me into podcasts. Yay, oh. your gateway podcast. Oh that's the nicest thing. That is so. Thank you, Evie. Oh. Um, I hope to do one as well sometime soon. Maybe not as good as YouTube, but hopefully decent. You know what, honey? It is. We set Chase a real low bar. We yeah. are sure that you can do it. You two are amazing. Take care. You take care too, Evie. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yes. That's, man, girl. <sighs> I'm glad your sister doesn't live there anymore, though. <sighs> yeah. All right. Well, mm. guys, I got to get going. It's Father's Day, so I have to get to my in-laws. Oh, uh, yeah. Happy future, happy belated Father's Day to everybody else. And uh, mm-hmm. if you want to reach out at us, you can reach us at a bunch of places. Oh, you like, want me to do this one? or <laughs> I can, I'll do it. Go, Hang on. I can do go. this. Do you even All remember right. our social media handles? Uh, shut up. <laughs> so <laughs> you can reach us on Facebook and Instagram at This Podcast is Haunted. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, you can reach us at at haunted underscore pod very we good. have a facebook discussion group uh that you can uh ask to enter if you're not a robot right if you're not a robot prove prove you, you are not a robot <laughs> <laughs> that was the best part of that stand-up um, uh so am i missing anything else hiatus well we're gonna be gone for a little while but we'll be but. back don't worry and like just Oh my God! Thank you all for listening. Yeah, that's a a wrap on season two, and I can't believe we even made it this far. We made this is episode forty, which is insane to me. Uh, Yeah, so God bless all of you guys for listening to our dumb show. Like this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm really grateful, and if you guys have show ideas, uh, reach out to us. I know a couple of you have been good enough to do so, and and I have a little document on my phone going for season three. So I'm excited to get that Mm -hmm, started. mm -hmm. And Jen, have a wonderful summer. Yeah, you too, man. Yeah. All right. Until then, all y'all, stay spooky, motherfuckers. Stay spooky. Ciao.